DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Ken Pomeroy, owner of KenPom.com, college basketball numbers guru. Ken, welcome back to the show. Good morning, fellas. Nice to, nice to chat with you again. I'm curious, before we get to any specific teams, especially a couple in state, uh, the scheduling is so weird this year. The non-conference games are obviously very limited. Do you have enough info and enough data that you're confident in the model you put together? Because obviously, over the years, maybe actually we're trending towards over the decades, the, um, the selection committee had confidence in your model. They used it, and they used it again, and they used it again, and they used it again. But how confident are you this year without all those non-conference games? Well, not as confident. It's still, uh, it's still pretty solid. You always want more data. Um, you know, I, I actually monitor this when I, uh, I'm making predictions every day for scores for all these games so I can see the, uh, the error in each prediction. And the errors are a little higher this year. Normally, normally the error would be like 8.8 points per game or something like that. And this year so far, it's like 9.3, 9.4. So, so there is a noticeable difference from a statistical standpoint. Um, but that said, it's not huge, and it's not something that the casual observer is going to notice without necessarily diving into the data. So, uh, so overall, I think it's, I think the model's pretty solid. You know, it could be better, but uh, but it's it's good enough for what we're dealing with. This is impossible, I think, to ask, but how much slack do you think the committee is going to give teams who've had guys in and out because of this COVID thing? Yeah, it's funny. We haven't heard a lot about those kind of things. Usually, it's, uh, there's one or two teams that, it, for you know, in a normal year, who, ha- who has a key injury and it's a pretty big deal. And there's always this point made that you know, well, you know, once once this guy comes back, like that's how the team will be judged. And I think that effect has always been overblown to some extent. Um, it's really hard to manage all that information, and I think that is the crux of the situation this year. Is that you know, guys, uh, you know, obviously, for the most part, teams that have a COVID issue, they just shut down. Uh, so it's a little different than football. But there are cases where uh, teams uh, are able to persevere, especially in the power conferences where they might have more sophisticated contact tracing. They're able to just sit a guy or two for three or four games, and then everything's back to normal. Um, but there haven't been a ton of those cases. But I, I guess the bottom line is, like, it's so it, it's just so hard to manage all that information if you're the committee, that um, I'm not going to say they're going to ignore it, but only in the most like key situations, I think, is that going to come into play. So BYU, you like them? You think they're a bubble team? How is this season progressing for the Cougars? Well, uh, I think, yeah, I think right now it looks like they're still in good shape. Uh, you know, it, it, this is not a, a, you know, it's not the same BYU t- team from last year. <laughs> they don't have anybody on the team that is as good as a Yoli Child or a TJ Hawes or, or Jake Toulson. You know, they don't have guys that can make plays when, when the defense breaks down, and that's really reflected in their stats. Like, there's, they're a pretty boring team statistically. They don't do anything great. Uh, they do enough things well that uh, I think they're clearly the second-best team in that league, and that's really the key is that uh, – the WCC is probably a two-bid league, and you know it's, it's that second bid is BYU's for the taking. And obviously, they've 
struggled uh, of late losing to Pepperdine and nearly losing to Pacific. That would have maybe changed my tune a little bit if they didn't pull out the Pacific game. Which, by the way, why are they called the University of the Pacific? I mean, the campus isn't even close to the Pacific Ocean. But there's a delta and a river, and Stockton has a port, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just odd that they would play a game at Pepperdine, a campus that has a view of the Pacific Ocean, and then uh, they play a team called the University of the Pacific, and it would be like the University of Utah being called like Bear Lake University or something. <laughs> or this NBA team called the Jazz in Utah. <laughs> Craziest thing I've ever heard of. Point what taken, you, point taken. What are you hearing as far as conference tournaments? Because why bother? So that's the other thing that I feel like could go either way with respect to BYU's fate is that, uh, you know, you have a team like Arizona, they have they would get into the tournament, but they've self-imposed the postseason ban. So that kind of opens up another spot for an at-large team. And if you don't play conference tournaments – then that also opens up spots because, you know, potential at-large teams and other conferences. The Missouri Valley, for instance, has maybe two at-large teams in Drake and, and Loyola Chicago. And if they played their tournament, obviously there would, there would be the possibility that both of those teams would gobble up at-large bids because a third team would win the, the conference tournament, and that would squeeze the bubble a little bit. So to get to your question, like, it, yeah, I, I can't believe that a lot of conference tournaments – are going to get played. It doesn't. It doesn't make very much sense right now. You know, maybe if they, if we had another month of the season, there would, uh, you know, the, there would be less of the, the virus going around, fewer infections, and, and you could have a better chance of pulling off these tournaments without a team getting knocked out or three teams getting knocked out by the, the virus. But um, it, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that happening. But every conference right now, like no conference is canceling their conference tournament yet. No. They're all talking about playing it. Some conferences have gone so far as to move their conference tournaments from a you know a neutral site venue to a campus venue, um, try to control the environment a little bit more. We'll see what happens, but uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we've obviously heard grumblings, pretty loud grumblings, that, you know, Gonzaga is like, hey, why are we yeah. going to go to a place for, well, they just have to go to, to the WCC tur- tournament for two days. It's still, you know, go, go down there for three nights or whatever. Why are we going to go there and expose ourselves to – four or five different teams and other yahoos at the, you know, the, the team hotel and possibly, you know, uh, get ourselves in, in, a, in a bad situation for a, an event that means nothing to us. Like that is, uh, you know, another issue that's coming along. So it's going to be fascinating to see, but I cannot, I cannot imagine most of these conference tournaments going to get played. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, to me, that aside of looking at each, instead of looking at each individual conference, inside a conference, there's at least two groups of team, and then in the Power Fives and with Gonzaga, you know, there can be a third group. You've got one group of teams that's bad and just wants the season to be over. It's been exhausting. They're worn out. They're not going anywhere. What does this matter? Really, it's what we saw from college football teams that said, yeah, thanks for the bowl invite, but no thanks. We're done. So there's that group. Um, there's a middle group, and it might be the top of some leagues, where it's like, well, we got to go to the conference tournament because that's our only path to the NCAAs. And then there's a group of teams that looks at KenPalm.com and says, we know we're in. We don't, what's the point? There's no point to this. 
So I'm wondering if a league that's got 12 or 14 teams might have like six teams that want to get want to play. <laughs> and then either at the top or bottom of the league, teams are like, oh, this doesn't make any sense at all. Right, and the situation you get into is that if you go forward with those six teams, uh, you're going to be uh, assuming the conference tournament is still, uh, you know, the path of getting an automatic bid and crowning the conference champion. You obviously are going to have six or seven conferences that are crowning teams that otherwise wouldn't get in the tournament, and uh, that creates an interesting situation. The NCAA is supposed to be formulating some sort of policy on this, and we're kind of waiting uh, with bated breath here. Hopefully in the next week or two, we'll, we'll get some information on that. You know, will they say that if you have a conference tournament, you know, you're required to play in that if you want to play in the NCAA tournament? Uh, that seems like, the, like in a normal year, that would make total sense and the fairest thing to do possibly a little heavy handed this year. And that will, you know, if you do implement that policy, that will convince, uh, I think a lot of conferences to not hold their conference tournament and just, you know, send the regular season champ, which, uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be, it will be kind of interesting how this plays out. Well, hypothetically, using Gonzaga as his example, right? The, the competition they're going to face the rest of the way, they should win the rest of their games. It'll be a major upset maybe possibly BYU at the end of the season in the Marriott Center, but the Marriott Center isn't going to have 20,000 people screaming and yelling like they did last year. And so it's going to be just a fraction, so the environment's not going to be near the same. So I suspect that Gonzaga's going to win that. And then if Gonzaga says, hey, we're not going down to Vegas because, as you said, you know, who knows? And we could get contact tracing, and the next thing you know, we got two or three guys who can't play in the NCAA tournament, and we're going to blow our number one seed. And this is this is our greatest chance to not just get to the Final Four and win it all. Uh, suppose they just say, no, we're not going to do it. I mean, what in the world is the WCC going to do? Because they don't want to do anything that's going to offend Gonzaga because Gonzaga's already been threatening to move, and they changed all the rules. They've made major accommodations for Gonzaga, and probably justifiably so. So if that situation comes up, would these conferences have a tournament without some teams playing? I mean, I, I, I can't see that either. Yeah, it just doesn't seem fair that, like, you're setting a, a, pretty, a bad precedent there. Uh, you know, the term bid collusion comes to mind where, you know, you're setting a precedent now where, hey, that's obviously it's good for the league. Like, if they can get away with that, if Gonzaga just decides to sit and they're able to still go to the tournament as their one seed and – now you're, you know, going to guarantee yourself to be a two-bid league. And heck, let's just say somehow BYU puts them in position to be pretty safe. Like, they probably can't get to that spot now if they won out and if they won out and beat Gonzaga in the finale. They'd be there, but if they won out and lost to Gonzaga, they'd be pretty safe. But they'd still probably want to play in the conference tournament. Um, but hypothetically, let's just say BYU is in that spot. You know, so you had two teams that that were safe. Like they could both sit, and then you know, San Francisco wins the conference tournament. Now you now you just you know, got a three-bid league there because a couple teams decided to sit. It just doesn't. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, the phone's going to ring because ESPN's going to be on the other line saying, we're not paying you guys to get a conference final of Pepperdine versus Pacific. Pacific doesn't even sit on the ocean. Give us Gonzaga. Exactly. Give us Gonzaga. Yeah, that would be, that would be <laughs> false advertising. Exactly. But, but you're exactly right, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, and that's the reason, you know, on the flip side, that's the reason teams are, or conferences are 
trying to have these conference tournaments. If you're the Ohio Valley, like you get one date on ESPN in prime time of year, and uh, that's your conference tournament championship. So you can understand why teams are pushing, or conferences are pushing forward on this. That's kind of the, the driving force behind playing the season is that they are trying to, you know, obviously recruit uh, tournament money, but, you know, NCAA tournament money, but also uh, conference tournament money as well. So I'm wondering what your research has shown with very few, if any, fans in these stands. Because you look at, I was looking through the box scores of uh, some Pac-12 on Saturday night, and I saw that Stanford's playing at Tempe, and they outshoot the Sun Devils by like 3-1 to in the free throw line. Utah goes over to Colorado, and same situation, 2-plus to three in terms of free throws. I mean, rarely did you ever see that for a home team to be outshot by that many free throws. I'm wondering if you've delved into that and seen how much of a difference that has made with few, if any, fans in terms of the free throw shooting because we normally don't see that discrepancy to the advantage of the visiting team. Yeah, I looked into this uh, about a month ago, PK, and uh, found that so normally uh, home teams get roughly two more calls a game than road teams, which is not huge, but that is really the, the driver of, of home court advantage. You know, you turn those into free throws and you, you get your your three points or so of home court advantage. And uh, this year it has been uh, about a half of a call half of a foul more per game uh, for the home team. Um, I mean, overall, there's still there's definitely still home court advantage. Like, in conference play, home teams have won 57% of the time across the country, which doesn't sound overwhelming, but you got to remember that, you know, every time Gonzaga is playing at home, obviously they're playing on the road as well and, and winning those games. So good teams still win road games. But I guess for a point of reference, you know, last four seasons, teams uh, have won 60% of their conference games at home. So uh, so it is down this year. You look at point differential, normally it's between three and three and a half, and this year it's uh, a little bit less than two and a half. So uh, so it's there. So home court is still there. I think people, you know, they kind of expect right now there to not be any home court advantage. And when you see Kansas, you know, kind of repeatedly struggling, losing at home, and Duke's obviously lost multiple times at home, and you see those things, and, you know, I think we're kind of – we have rabbit ears for those kind of events, and, and we attribute that to having no fans. And no question, like, the, it'd be harder to win in those places if they had fans. But but it's still hard to win on the road just because you're not familiar with the rims. You're not familiar with the court. And travel this year has been a little more difficult for some teams. Fewer plane rides, more bus rides. I don't know what goes on with the testing on, on game day and things like that, but obviously the routines are a little bit different. Fewer you know, practices allowed in a road venue. So there's still some factors there that, that make for a decent home court advantage. It's just the most fun of all those factors is the fans, and that's obviously uh, missing. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com joining us. So you think BYU is in pretty good shape. What do you think about Utah State in the Mountain West? Are they in good shape for the NCAA tourney? They're pretty good shape as well. The Mountain West actually kind of shook out as, uh, um, you know, a, I think it's like kind of ideal the way it's set up where there are uh, at least three teams that are just completely awful in the league. So, you know, the problem has always been with uh, BYU is that they're, you know, 
there are a lot of teams in the WCC that people haven't heard of and aren't going to be a threat to make the NCAA tournament, but they're also good enough to beat you on the road. Uh, the Mountain West isn't quite that way. I mean, New Mexico and, and San Jose State are just, you know, really bad this year, and they don't even have a home arena for that matter. Uh, Air Force is really bad. Um, and even the middle of the league, like Wyoming and, and UNLV, are not particularly good. So, um, you know, those are almost automatic wins, not quite. Utah State did lose the UNLV once, but otherwise it handled those other teams. So it's just a matter of handling business against, you know, the upper half of the league now, which is the schedule that, that the Aggies are, are embarking on. And, you know, they have a big series with Boise State in a couple of weeks at Boise. Probably need to split that to uh, to feel really good about themselves and, again, take care of business and the, the rest of their schedule. And, uh, you know, if they could finish up league play 16-4 and four in the Mountain West, I think that'll be good enough to get in. There won't be a you – know, unlike BYU, who has, uh, you know, some quality wins in the non-conference, uh, Utah State doesn't have really anything in the non-conference, but uh, they do have a sweep San Diego State. And if they had a split against Boise State, you know, to go with the split against Colorado State, those are really your, your four, your big four of the Mountain West. Um, you know, if you're four and two against the other three teams, uh, you're going to have a really strong case, I think, to get in that large bid. How do you think being everything being in Indiana is going to affect things when we get to the tournament? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, hopefully it makes for, for better basketball. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what other impact it will have. I mean, there's going to be less travel. The schedule will be slightly more condensed. It's not going to be a, a pure bubble like the NBA, but um, there will, the protocols will be pretty strict. There's obviously a lot on the line here for the NCAA. If a team uh, has an issue in the middle of the tournament, that is going to be a major story, but it sounds like they are going to do everything in their technological power to uh, isolate people and make it so that if somebody does get infected, that the team does not have to shut down. Um, but other than that, I, you know, I don't know that it's, uh, there, there are a lot of aspects of the season. I think you could put qualifiers on or whatever, you know, Gonzaga going un, unbeaten would be a great story. You know, the schedule is a little bit shorter than usual. So maybe they wouldn't get the full, uh, credit that they would get in a normal year. But the tournament itself, I think, is going to be pretty similar to any other tournament. I would think, you know, again, not many fans and, and other issues like that. You know, you're playing in these small venues. But uh, as far as the, the play on the court, I think it's, it's going to be just as good as uh, any other previous season. Well, Ken, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little college hoops with us. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Ken Pomeroy, owner of KenPom.com, college basketball numbers guru. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 9.05. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.